Paul's admonitions. Paul is giving some admonitions to us. And they're very, very similar to what Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount. And I think that Paul had that in his mind, having heard it from the disciples who were there. But you know what? If you look in Matthew 5, where we have the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew actually wrote that gospel about 20 to 25 years after Paul wrote this letter. And so Paul didn't have the word for word, but he had the intent, the purpose. And so we're going to dig deep into these few verses. And I'm kind of excited because I think that this is the part of the gospel according to God concerning Jesus Christ that really is, and maybe I've used this term before, it's where the rubber meets the road. That means that if you've got a slippery road and you've got your tires and that small part, the bottom part of your tire is touching the road and you'd be amazed how small that space is on the four wheels of your car. That's all you're riding on is where the rubber meets the road. The very small part of where your tires are meeting the road is very, very important. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you have ever thought about that? That very small part is very critical you driving safely. You think, oh, I've got these big tires. I have this big car with a powerful engine. I have brakes. No, still, it depends on where the tire meets the road. In other words, the practical part of your driving isn't the instructor giving you, okay, you passed your test. No, you have to know that where the rubber meets the road is very, very important. All of you license-desiring people, remember that now. That's a good lesson for you. So Paul is getting down to the real practical part of Romans. He gave us all of this doctrine and teaching in the first part. Well, actually, the first three quarters of his letter up to chapter 12. All that was extremely important. And we don't spend enough time in that. We should read Romans at the least once a year. And it would be better if we could read it once a quarter or a month. It's very, very practical. And to understand what he was talking about in the earlier chapters. So these are his instructions or his admonitions instructing us. Romans 12, 14 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. 
if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, help us now. Help me especially to speak it and for my brothers and sisters to hear it. What you speak to the church. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have taken Paul's admonitions and listed them and I come up with seven. Seven is a perfect number. It is the number in which God in six days created heaven and earth and on the seventh he rested. Seven is a blessed number. And I especially this year thank the Lord for the number seven. I've got two of them. Bless and do not curse. What does he mean by that? Rejoice and weep. Be of the same mind. Respect what is right. Be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Overcome evil with good. Sounds very similar to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount or what we sometimes call the Beatitudes. I thought what we might also do, and this was also a suggestion from my assistant, and she said it would be good if you also brought out 1 Timothy 1.5, and so I took Katie's advice. And that says, and it was written by Paul also, and it's written to a young man named Timothy, who was his understudy, his disciple, and he wrote this. But the goal of our instruction, Timothy, you and you and I have this as our goal of our instruction, is love. Love is the goal. Love is not the overarching thing that, that we just throw out as a handy word. We should love one another. Love, love, love. There's too many things in life that require more definition to what we mean by love. When we say love, it's not just a four-letter word. It has deep meaning. And especially last week, we were talking about two different kinds of love in the Greek. And so it is very important for us to talk about love. But that's our goal. That's what we're headed for. In between are a lot of nitty-gritty, there I use those words again, these nuts and bolts of the Christian life that we need to see put in place. That's what God desires of us. That's why he gave us such a thick book for us to go through. So that we know all the little details. 
those details are very necessary. How many of you have bought a new car? How many of you bought a used car? How many of you have read the manual of that car? You know, it fascinated me when my dad bought this new car. I sat there and I read through every page. It was fascinating to learn. And this was a 1949 Ford. Fascinating. No, it didn't have seats that were motorized. But it did talk about the rubber meeting the road, of how much speed uh, you had to be careful on curves and that kind of thing. We won't get into this. The objective of Paul here is that we, as I've already said, his objective is love. That's the destination. In the meantime, there are a lot of things to put together. And we need the Word of God daily in our lives. In 2017, I think, especially. I'm using this verse from Timothy 1.5 that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and implied is from a good conscience and from sincere faith. Using this as my outline, from a pure heart. And the first one that we'll consider is bless and do not curse. In verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Jesus says in every one of his Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think that this applies here. You really cannot bless someone who is persecuting you. That is almost an impossible thing, humanly speaking. How many of you find it very easy? Someone has been very mean to you or has done something intentionally to hurt you. What was your first reaction? It wasn't blessing, I'm sure. It was, oh, this person makes me so angry. I could spit. I could swear. That's what curse means, is to swear and to say, God, judge them. Very easy thing to do. I don't think I've shared this, but when we first came to Japan, there was a family or two who we were closely associated with, fellow Americans. And one day, this missionary came to me and he said, I am praying every day that you leave Japan. What? Me? Why? And he walked away. Well, that was sure friendly. And so I went home. And I don't think I told Katie at the time, but I just went to my desk. And I said, Lord, what do you think of that guy? What do you think of him saying that to me? And like that, 
an answer came. I look at him the same way I look at you through the blood of my son, Jesus. Whoa! Whoa! That brought me to reality. That brought me to the reality. Where is my heart? Do I have a pure heart? I didn't when I walked home from that encounter with him. It was not pure thoughts that I had. Far from it. I see him through the same as I see you through the blood of my son. Bless and do not curse. A person whose heart is pure sees God's hand in all that comes his way. If you're truly trusting in God, and this is the proof, not by how much you give in the offering, not how much you do in good works, but you see God's hand in everything that happens to you. You see that it all passes before his throne because of Jesus having united you with the Father. That's a pure heart. A person who has a pure heart sees God's hand in absolutely everything that comes to him. We sang the song about peace to our soul by this father who had lost his children. It is well with my soul. Bless and do not curse. We are people, I think we're the only people on earth who truly trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We are the only people that can bless and not curse from a pure heart because we know that everything that comes to us passes before the Father, before it comes to us. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. A person with a pure heart is able to come alongside others and be an encouragement to them. It allows us to reach out beyond ourselves to others and bring to them, rejoicing together with them, coming alongside and weeping with them. That is who we are as the members of the body of Christ here. And you do it. And I commend many of you, all of you, for your attitude and your way of comforting and rejoicing with one another. I've seen it. I've watched it. Katie and I have watched it. Keep going. Keep doing it. Let the world see and know that we're the kind of people that embrace both in joy and in weeping, not just in the good times, but also in those things that are hard. Be of the same mind. And this is sometimes very, very difficult in a church setting. It's not just an easy thing for us to come on Sunday 
and everybody looks nice and everybody smiles and everybody sings together. But what about the nitty-gritty things? There, that word again keeps coming out. It's the only word that I really have in English. But those practical things are really what makes the church. Sunday morning does not make the church, by the way. Let me tell you, I have been a church attender for 77 minus 12. 65? Whoa, is it that? many years. I've been involved with the church, first as a child and then as a pastor. And I'll tell you, Sunday morning isn't what it's all about. It's about the everyday things. Maybe we need to look back at number one, bless and do not curse, rejoice and weep. Be of the same mind. Toward one another, do not be haughty or proud in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And so a person with a pure heart has the right perspective of themselves. Don't be wise in your own estimation of how you evaluate yourself. Comparing ourselves with one another, that's what it means. Well, I'm not as bad as that person. That happens in the church. We need pure hearts toward one another. We need the heart of Jesus so that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. That's what God desires for us. And then we have what? Fellowship one with another. Bless the Lord. The goal of uh, Paul's instruction is love. That's the goal. From a good conscience. We talked about conscience, and it's our, our awareness of not only ourselves, but also of a God consciousness. God created us with a conscience. Every person, I believe, was born with a conscience. And that's either your conscience toward those around you in your actions and toward God but you are aware of who you are. Animals do not have a conscience. As much as your little puppy just loves to please you, he doesn't have a conscience. And especially not your cat. (laughs) And if you're listening to this right now, uh, Keiko, I'm sorry. The second source or foundation of love is Paul's delineating our conscience as being important to the execution or the fulfillment of love. You must have a good conscience between God and man. In what way? Let's go back to Paul's list. Respect what is right. Now that is a big one, and it's very big here in Japan. But listen to how Paul develops it. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Respect is a very high calling. 
And it's one of the things that I really appreciate about Japan. Even though you who are Japanese amongst us, you understand that there's tatemai and hone, but still tatemai feels pretty good here in Japan. Pretty, pretty much all of us as foreigners are very impressed with the respect here in Japan. It is such an easy place to live. Thank you, my Japanese brothers and sisters, for allowing us to come to a place where people truly are respected, and especially for us as foreigners. Thank you. Paul is talking about something much deeper that comes from a godly conscience, an understanding who just your neighbor who is, is not as adequate as you are in the niceties of being a, a neighbor or vice versa, scowls at you when you put the wrong garbage out. <laughs> Respect all men. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. That's a foundation for, for love. Be at peace with all men. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Paul really has a great clause in there, I, I think, a great little set of words. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Have you thought about that? I want you to think about that this week. If it's at all possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Can we be at peace with all men? Over at ICU, they have a, a course there. It's called the Peace Course or Peace uh, Curriculum. It's for international world peace. And that's very important to them there. Can we achieve peace? Can we? I don't think so. I don't think it's even possible. But Paul says, and I think Paul is a realist, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And that means what? Going back to our conscience and really understanding the Holy Spirit saying, Ron, I look at you through the blood of my son. Having that kind of conscience, and I'm not pointing to myself, I'm pointing to the fact that that's what he requires of all of us. That he desires for us that we understand what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. And that gives us a good conscience so that we can, at least as far as it involves us, we can be at peace with all men. The goal of Paul's instruction is love, and it comes from a sincere faith. This is probably the most difficult of circumstances in which uh, to exercise the love of God is in our faith, that it be sincere and not hypocritical, that it be honest, that it be true, that it really be not just for show, but it be in our hearts 
so that we can walk every day of 2017 in the confidence that our faith in Jesus Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin and death and brings us to his life, his light, his truth. That should be our goal for 2017, to come to that place in our life where we know that we're not perfect. We know that there is a God who rules. We know that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We know that as we stand condemned constantly, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that in our hearts from a sincere faith. Verse 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It takes a lot of faith, pure faith, strong faith, honest faith, to place our destiny, our situation in the hands of of a holy God. For you and I to say we are Christian, we have to come to agreement with the Father and say, it's your prerogative. It is your choice. Vengeance or revenge is not ours. Paul says, never take your own revenge. Road rage, revenge can be over something very, very petty. Really. I mean, talking about ramming somebody with your car. No, we'd never do that. But if they do something to you, nobody saw that. I hope they trip over that. No, we are revengeful people. We really truly are. Check your own heart. There's a verse here. Verse 20 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Oh, good, good. Oh, just dump all those coals on his head. That I am so happy to do. <laughs> no, 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 you got the wrong idea. Do you, you know what that is referring to? You remember Katie's banner that we had up here? You remember the part right here? There was big flame here with some chains and it was on a sensor. You remember what that was all about? Do you remember what that was all about? The flame there? It, it, it's what? Prayer. What kind of prayer? It has to do with this. Revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not yours. That offering of incense into the Holy of Holies belongs to Him. He is the one that rains down judgment on those who are evil and who have done 
things against us and against others. That's what it's about. It's by that prayer and intercession. That's why John 17 is so beautiful. What Jesus prays for us, he's acknowledging that it's all in God the Father's hands and revenge is not ours. That's his property. That is his. And so as priests, we come with the censer, the Lord Jesus Christ and his prayer and his intercession on behalf of those who have done something against us. And we can forgive. In the United States, there was a, a young boy that, with a rifle, walked into a black church and just started shooting, killing people outright, black people. And members of that church that survived forgave him. And the newspapers could not understand it. It's not for us to take revenge. That is the duty, that is the responsibility of our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Verse 21, we'll just close with this. Overcome evil with good. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It requires sincere faith, true faith, trust in the just and holy God. The one who ultimately has shown that love always overcomes. And that's what Paul means. This is our goal of instruction, is love. Father, I thank you for your mercy, for your grace. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for what he has brought to us through his word today. Burn that in our hearts this year, in my heart, and allow us to be able to walk in the light of Jesus Christ through 2017. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.